0: What is up, guys, and welcome to the Maximum Potency Podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Scott, health coach, CrossFit coach, and online entrepreneur, and I'm here to talk about health, fitness, grabbing life by the horns, and doing everything we can to live at maximum potency. Through a combination of solo casts and interviews, you will be hearing from health professionals, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, and people who are taking life and running with it. Oftentimes, you'll hear me tell pieces of my story or interview those who have ditched the traditional 9-to-5 setup in pursuit of something that feels a little bit better for them. So, if you are interested in creating a life you love, feeling better in your body, developing habit and mindset practices, doing a little bit more adventuring and traveling, you're in the right place. If you are someone who is hungry for growth, pursuing greatness, and ultimately hope to have a life that is a true expression of the real you, you're in good company. Welcome and thank you for being here. I am so happy and could not be more stoked that you found your way to this podcast. Right guys, welcome back to another episode. Um, this episode is going to air on both of our podcasts, so I'll save the intro for later. Rick Alexander, I'm so happy that we're doing this today.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks for, well, I would say thanks for having me, but thanks for agreeing to have a conversation about uh, <laughs> a mutual interest, yeah.
0: Yes, for sure. Thanks for coming to my episode. No, thank you for coming to my episode. I love it so much. So um, Rick and I did a podcast a while back, uh, one on yours and one on my podcast. Rick's podcast is called Morning Coffee with Rick Alexander. And mine is the Maximum Potency podcast. And so two podcast hosts in a room and we're going to talk about creativity today. So I'm stoked for that. Rick, what has been your most creative moment lately?
1: Ooh, um, you know, it's so interesting. I've been entertaining the question for for a while now. Like, can I create without self-destructing? Because that was kind of a thing for me. Um, and I think probably a lot of people that write and have, I'd say writers for sure, just because it's the crowd that I know and the, the discipline that I spend so much time in, um, oftentimes do find that they have to like, kind of go into their own darkness to to write. And so I've been, uh, it used to be that I would stay up all night for nights on end writing, and I would be really trashed after a week of that. Um, And now I'm like working on like going to bed earlier and getting up early and starting my writing process around five in the morning. And, um, you know, it's funny, there are moments where I tap into it, but there are still moments where I wake up at 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, I have to get this out of me and I'll write 3000 words and then go back to bed. So.
0: Dang. Like the creative process, right. It's like, do you harness it or does it harness you? And sometimes it's like, flirting with that muse, right? And I think it brings up like the ideas from Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art and then Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, where they say you have to like sit and be available for these ideas to come to you. But also, man, when they come to you, get up out of your bed, right? Don't, right. don't say, oh, it's not my writing o'clock. Um, how has that been for you? You feel like you've embodied that kind of idea of being willing to go both ways, discipline, times, spontaneity.
1: Yeah, embodiment is a really interesting concept, right? Because when I think about genius, your genius, I think about it as spirit. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, it will push you beyond human capacity. And so I think your goal, if you want to make creativity a real a real like kind of lifestyle for yourself is to grow the container, you, the embodied you, the character to be able to house that kind of a genius without it wrecking you. And so I think it's a process of going back and forth and learning how to to embody your own creativity without it destroying you, to be honest with you. Um And, and it's tough and also worth it, I think. And I think people that have the creative tug, I'd love to hear your Your stance on this but i think people that have the you know it's interesting because it's so um difficult to make a living on creativity like it's got to be one of the most difficult things in the world and it's getting easier but you kind of have to be willing to go through that struggle of like learning how to make it work for you and how to coexist with your creativity so that you can live in a somewhat structured life and That's been a lot of my work lately because when I was living in my car and traveling around the world, creativity was just, it was a natural byproduct of my lifestyle. But now that I'm in more of a structured life, it's actually a matter of learning to, to figure out how to coexist with this creativity. What about you?
0: Yeah. So like not looking at it as an interruption, right? Figuring out the ways in which your life can be malleable enough to allow for the That to come through and then super, super interesting. I would say you just brought up for me, like there's been times that my creativity made me quit certain things. You know, in college, I was trying to play a sport and pursue a creative major. And I was like, one of these two things has to go and I'm not here for sports. So uh, I stopped playing lacrosse and running cross country because I needed those long blocks of time those three or four hours or five hours or six hours after class to be able to get into that mode of the structure, not hindering me, right. Looking at the clock and being like, oh, I have an hour and 45 minutes to create. will just stampede that creativity right out of you. And that is what you just reminded me of. But another thing that I've been doing lately is an many many people have talked about this this is not an original idea by any means but priming myself and what does my morning routine for creativity look like and the sacredness that is a routine right it's the reason a routine works is because it's a routine and it signals to your brain and to your body like yo we're about to do this thing whether this thing is work or a workout or a creative pursuit But it's getting those pieces in line so the workout can happen. And the workout is a catalyst for me to get into creative mode because then I'm able to sit still long enough to feel and create and be at my desk. And so for me lately, like harnessing that creativity has looked like a very intentional morning routine and then creating those blocks of space in the evening where. I can essentially circle back to what I had 45 minutes for at lunchtime. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. I do I I believe also conditioning is such a such an important part. It's so funny because sometimes when I'm like in this last semester of school, I mean, I was just writing, you know, 10,000 words a week or something. And I, so I had to get up at like four to start my writing process. Cause I found that if I put it off and like had to start at two or something, it was just miserable two in the afternoon. Yeah. But then I got to a point where I it was funny. Like i was so conditioned to have my coffee and to write that, like I didn't want to write without coffee and I didn't like drinking coffee without writing. And so it's yes. interesting to notice how you can condition yourself to, to get into flow sooner. I think that's really what's happening.
0: Absolutely. And I think you grease the groove and Mm -hmm. the groove was coffee and writing go together. And then it's like this positive association of these two things. And for me, it's, it's hard for me to go do a workout in the morning and come home and not be productive in the business. It's like, that's just what comes next. It's just a given, right? And likewise, what you just said, trying to be productive without a workout, I just feel off all, all stinking day long. So Mm. um, I vibe with that a lot. And what is one thing lately that you have felt like besides coffee has made you want to sit down and write?
1: Yeah, I really find forward motion to be right. So when you run or exercise or whatever, and you stimulate BDNF brain derived neurotropic factor, you're actually like you are increasing your IQ, right? Not by um, an, in an ultimate sense, but in your moment to moment IQ, which fluctuates like 20 to 30 points, mm-hmm. you can do that with with exercise, you also yeah. enhance cognition and memory. And so what I like to do is I'll work on an idea for a bit, and then I'll go for a run, like a shorter run, like three miles or something, or maybe an hour walk. And by the time I get back, all of the things that I put into my mind before I left, I feel like I'm ready to like, dive in and and go to town on and I actually will every once in a while. I haven't done this in a bit, but I'll take like a 3 or 4 day period and I will say I'm going to do nothing but write during this period and I will do like 3 3 mile runs throughout the day. So I will write, run, write, run, write, run and the depth and like yeah, I'd say the depth that I'm able to get to within myself in those periods is unlike anything else. And so yeah, I find that exercise, as you mentioned, is a really good pair with creativity, if for nothing else, because it enhances cognitive function.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As my mom would say, like your pinky toe has oxygen, your brain has more oxygen, things are just going to work better. Even without knowing all of the beautiful science that you just said, I think we can all agree, new scenery, right? Getting out in nature, sun, grounding, all these things like are definitely going to make you more human in the best way possible. So love that so much and then you hinted at like what I like to call immersions and so when i'm feeling creatively stalled or i have so much creativity to get out of me all at once creating that time that space that binge if you will of 4 days right where you can say okay i created the space for me to do my thing and for me it may be working on a course or working on content or creating something that's working on the business instead of just being working in the business. Like I do every single day, being on client calls, being in the DMs, doing the day-to-day things, taking yourself out of that with intention and creating the space for you to be so immersed in receiving the downloads. Like I think so often we say we're uninspired, but we're doing too much of the thing that burns us out and we're not doing enough of the creating space for ideas to flow in. And there's like, it's just that we're off kilter. It's not that we're burnt out necessarily. But these immersions that I'm talking about could be anything from a three-day music festival, which hasn't happened because of uh, COVID. And so they became for me in this past year, these nature immersions where I shut off for two or three days and I go drive far from home, right? And start putting new scenery into my inputs and not showing up online, like plug the leak, right? So I think that that is seriously so bucket filling both energetically and creatively, like come home from the week, those weekends, so charged up, ready to work, new ideas, all these things.
1: Yeah. I love that. Like giving yourself that space. I've been considering doing that too, because I realized, well, what I didn't realize was how often I relied on my travel schedule to stimulate creativity Mm -hmm. and through the pandemic, like I was in such a drought um, Mm. creatively so, yeah. And it's funny when I, I have intuitively sort of done what you call an immersion. When I got out of the military, I went to Australia to write a book. Um, and my original plan was, okay, I'm going to backpack around Australia and write. And But then I ended up writing for like eight hours a day. So I saw almost no, none of Australia, but um, same idea. Yeah. It's Whatever it's interesting. What's that?
0: Whatever gets the pen going. Right.
1: <laughs> right totally. I was <laughs> like, well, so I'm just here writing. But yeah, I was like, I think I could have accomplished this with like a super cheap airbnb anywhere else in the world and not gone to Australia which was super expensive but it's a hard um, one yeah
0: yeah 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 i think what i find is the more i put off spending the money on the airbnb or or going on the trip that you feel intuitively called to go on like i give you a lot of props for saying hey i went to Australia and my creativity had a different plan for me because i find that the longer you wait the more space you need so if i get an inkling that hey sometime in the next like week or two I should probably take some time I can get away with taking like 12 to 48 hours and that will be enough but if I put that off for another month or two I'm going to need four days and if I put that off I'm going to need a week and if I put that off I'm going to need two weeks and before you know it you're like how am I paying for an Airbnb for a month right (laughs) to go do what exactly oh I don't even know like the more we ignore that I think the less the ideas come to visit us if that makes any sense
1: totally yeah so that's really interesting i i'd I'd love to hear how you've thought about approaching it but just i find here's an example of what i'm trying to talk about so i wrote a guest piece a blog piece for another a blog that's not my own but i could not get this damn thing out of me I, i knew what i wanted um and i tried attacking it i would try like for me, if I change it up, sometimes I can, if I whiteboard an idea, like if I can't seem to write about it, I can whiteboard it. If I can't whiteboard it, maybe I can get high and whiteboard it. Like I can try (laughs) all of these different things to try to, and for whatever reason, I was stuck. And then one night it just hit me and I sat down and I wrote the whole thing out, 2000 words, one stretch done. And I was like thinking about it. I'm like, I don't think I, no matter what I did, no matter what I told myself, like that piece just wasn't ready to come into the world until It was ready to come into the world for whatever reason and so i'm wondering how you approach as you said like what am i going away for how do i take this creativity and then also make it something that pays me on a regular schedule that's like a pretty difficult balance i've found
0: yeah uh i supplement income (laughs) that's what i do i have you know for a long time i had like the waitressing job that was like okay bills are paid it's only 12 hours a week of work, you have plenty of time and space to do your thing, you can take off when you need to take off, you are not important, you are replaceable. And that's exactly what you need to be. And let's go do this thing. And so that's how I handled it for two and a half years. Mm. And now there's enough stuff that I quote, unquote, have to report to aka recurring clients that are paying the bills. And that also frees up space for me to say right now, I have an 18 hour scheduled work week. So Do I do more work than on a weekly basis? Absolutely. But appointments to be kept about 18 hours worth every week and things that must get done at certain times. So that has allowed me to say, okay, the rest of your week is yours. Like if you need to go on a bike ride on a Tuesday, that no longer feels irresponsible. In fact, Mm -hmm. it feels like the opposite. It feels like if I don't show up at my best for my clients, I'm doing them a disservice and me not going on the bike ride is actually irresponsible. Talk about a paradigm shift. Um, but what you're saying is, correct me if I'm wrong, is like creativity is almost like a spiritual thing. It comes from our spirit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I believe that personally. Um, I think it's a path to spirituality. I think, have you ever heard of the genius myth?
0: No, tell me. Do you
1: want to hear it? It's interesting. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: So I'm getting a PhD in mythology and psychology, sort of at that intersection. Really cool. And so I like it because you can study myth and you can study literature and you can ask the question, how do people make meaning out of their experiences? It's not necessarily to be believed in, but to be learned from, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a myth that came out of uh, Plato and a conversation that he had, this person, or there's not much said about him, but he was in a great battle and he was dying and he was laying amongst all these corpses. And he... Felt his consciousness or his soul get sucked into the underworld, and when he did, there were a whole bunch of souls um, that were traveling. So the Axis Mundi is a is a cylinder that essentially houses the entire cosmos inside of it. Runs all the way from the heavens to the to the core of the earth, and you can find this in a whole bunch of different mythologies. And so human souls come out of the bottom of this Axis Mundi, and in the goddess of necessity sort of facilitates them coming out of this out of this area and then they go see the three sisters of fate and so the first one gives them their lot in life the second one gives them a twist of fate that they won't know or understand but that twist of fate is tied to their destiny so that's really interesting you could talk forever on that yeah. and then the third sister makes it all irreversible so yep. they can't go backwards you must go forward and then they're met by their genius which is their that's their spirit and That is, if you are a creative person, that's the route that your creativity flows through. And then they essentially um, go over the river of oblivion and then they incarnate into the earth. And so the idea being that you have your lot in life, like you come into your family, come into whatever. You're going to experience twists of fate that you could never understand, but somehow they are tied to your destiny. And you could think about, I mean, I would never, I can tell that my destiny pulls me toward it because most of the things that I've gone through in my life I, I have no idea why I went through them, but for some reason I needed them. And I always mm-hmm. find that that's true. <laughs> and yeah. then um, anyway, so there's something you can really learn about that because then the point of your life is unfolding that genius in the world. That's how divinity gets into the manifest world. And so we all sort of have that responsibility to become that channel for the divine. And I, I like that metaphor, that thought process, because when I think about writing, that's exactly what it feels like is happening. Like I've, I don't know if you've experienced this with creativity, but like I've spent times where I'll write a few pages and then I read it and I'm like, I don't even think I knew that. Like, I don't even know where that came from. And, and when I have those experiences, it sort of confirms that I, that I was open and that I was doing my, my job to let divinity kind of come through me.
0: Yeah. So even the languaging of like, I was open, I was channeling, it was coming through me. You will hear every creative on the place of the face of the planet say that, right. And that's what leads me to conclude, okay, this is a spiritual thing. So things that make this muscle small or make this muscle stronger, are spiritual practices are being willing to kind of be that vessel or that channel. And then with what you just said about, I don't even know if I knew that, Yes, a thousand percent. Yes. It's I find that when I'm personal growth coaching somebody, half the time I'm giving them advice and I'm like, what what back file did that come out of? Or what streamlined through me and out of my mouth? Right. And so that is so beautiful. And then the other thing is like, once you adopt the thought and the belief of I am being given the experiences necessary for the evolution of my consciousness the whole game changes, right? hundred percent. You start to not want to change everything or control everything. And you're like just this observer of life, observer of thoughts, observer of feelings. And that brings me full circle to the beginning when you said you had to create from your depths and create without destruction. And what does that look like? It's like, sometimes our depths are dark and sometimes our depths are light. And so also we were talking about before we hit record, what space are you creating from is super mm-hmm. super powerful to look at and if you don't like what you're getting try creating from a different place so what ways has this been showing up for you
1: yeah i do want to mention if you're not a creative person or if your trait openness isn't very high like this all sounds like gobbledygook i'm sure <laughs> yeah right like because you have to have that experience of realizing that something just came through you to think that something could come through you yes. um And I think that 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 can be honed. Um, But what was the question?
0: (laughs) Oh, just like the, what what space are you creating from? How is altering that lens or that perspective produce different results for you? When I create from my darkness, it looks like this. And when I create from my light, it feels like that.
1: Yeah, it's so fascinating because I found that even light can come through my darkness, um, which is an interesting thing. But, you know, I think that, You really have to have, you know, all the things that we've been talking about, which you just said, which is, oh, these experiences are actually for the evolution of my consciousness, perhaps I needed these things in some way that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I mean, fundamentally, that's the role of faith, right, to have the perspective that there's a bigger story unfolding than the story that you can currently see. Like that's really important if you're going to have that perspective that this is happening for you and not to you in some way. Mm-hmm. But there's also that, you there's a lack of control. And so for me, I find that the ego doesn't, sometimes I really want to create from this place of what I would consider to be my genius, but the ego doesn't. And so I'm kind of, that's been a bit of a struggle for me is like, I want to control the things that I'm creating. But when I do that, the things I create are garbage. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like having to surrender to divine will. Essentially I have to surrender to something that's bigger than myself because every time I don't, the things I create are just trash. Um, Yeah. And, And so there's no amount of creating for your ego, for validation that is going to, um, work at least that's what i'm finding i'm finding the moment that the that my motivation is to be accepted or to be validated Mm -hmm. the thing i create isn't very good and when i open myself up and i allow creativity to flow through me oftentimes i create things that i'm like i don't think people are gonna like this but it's for whatever reason, wanted to come to the world through me, or, you know, we all have our insecurities and limiting beliefs and fears that keep us small. And you really have to get out of the way with those to allow creativity to flow through you. At least that's what I'm finding. Um, What about you?
0: 500%. Yeah, for sure. The idea that ego is self, and it's, it's filtered by you know, what I want to create, what I want it to look like, what I think it should look like, what I think it shouldn't look like. And then the idea that actually creativity is not self, it's divinity coming through a body, right? Makes perfect sense why ego would want to get in the way of that. And so Mm. when we start creating with this lens of like, well, how is it going to look on my platform? Or what is it going to look like me, a super aesthetic person? What is it going to look like with the rest of my page if I shoot content at XYZ Park this weekend, right? Shouldn't even be a thought because A, it makes it completely unnatural. It's so forced and people can feel that, right? They can feel that energy too. Like this was very contrived and very cultivated and very like, it doesn't feel real anymore. And the stuff that we think people aren't going to resonate with because you're like, it's raw, it's from this, deep part of me. I don't know. Like it's, it's not what I usually talk about. These are some of the thoughts that go through when I create from that place is the stuff that people resonate with the most, or maybe it's not about volume. It's not about 900 people liking it or saying, yo, me too. But the nine that come forward and they're like, dude, that really, really resonated. And you're like, yes. And so you're forging connections. So when I think about a lot of what I create is content, when I think about content that forges connection versus content that forges conversion, creating from that connection place is easy. Creating the, from the conversion place feels almost impossible. And that's like the ego. It's like the, the allure of like, I can help you have a 10K month. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That's not what resonates with people, right? What resonates with people is story and what resonates with people is soul and spirit and talking about these things. And so even in the topics you're writing about, you speak from the spirit and the soul all the time. Um, it almost would seem foreign for me to get on your page and say, like, see a step-by-step process to something, right? Five five ways to become a published author would be like the last thing I would expect you to write, even though rationally, that's what you could or should be talking about.
1: Yes. Right? And when I give into right. that pressure, what I create is garbage. So, and if, it feels empty to me.
0: Yeah. Not inspired.
1: Mm-hmm. What's
0: yeah. the opposite of inspired empty people? Yes.
1: Right, right. Especially if you think about the root of inspiration is to breathe life into, right? And so to have life sucked out of would be the opposite. And that's exactly what it feels like when I try to create in some sort of manipulative, fear-based way, which is what so much marketing is based on. And so if and you want to, and that's this has been a real struggle with me because I'd love to just give the game up altogether. Um, but when you when you take a lot of courses or look at what, what's being said, it's all so fear-based or let me manipulate this person so that I, you know, cause really at the end of the, I, the day so much marketing. And I've noticed this, like you walk through the airport, it's like every signs, like you're not enough, but you could be, you're not enough, but try this product and we have your answer over here. And so it's like, you get these messages that you're not whole and that you need somebody else to make you whole constantly. And, in that fear-based way of living, like, if I create from that place, if I market from that place, it just feels like I'm betraying myself and there's nothing in the world worth that feeling.
0: Amen. So good. And then, you know, it's like the person reading those signs, like to them and feeling those feelings of fear and I'm not enoughness. It's like, stop outsourcing your magic and stop outsourcing your intelligence and, and turn the screen off and turn it put the blinders on, right? And like go into this place of, of knowingness that we all have is when we're all alone and we're outside, it's like, all of us know that everything's going to be okay. All of us Mm -hmm. know that we're good enough. All of us know that we don't need to go buy the thing we thought we needed to achieve the thing we thought we needed to achieve. And it's like this cleansing thing, which, you know, it's kind of a tie back into these immersions, It's like get out of that funk. I feel the exact same way when I create from these places. And you know, I'm so glad you brought this up about the marketing too, because like what I'm doing with this course I'm building is heart-centered sales is taking the, the sales and marketing tactic and, and scheme out of it. And like, how do you market from the heart is what I'm teaching in this. And when you market from the heart, guess where it goes? to another heart, right? And so mm. then they're also buying from heart instead of buying, thinking that you are somehow this magic light that's gonna like make them feel the way they've always wanted to feel, which is a lie as well. So it's it's like when you market from the place of manipulation, then your coaching has to come from a place of manipulation too. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, yeah, totally. That's such a good point. That's one of the reasons I love reading like the mystics or, or really good poets, right? Not because I know what the hell they're saying. I usually don't, but something deep in me recognizes what's deep and true in them, right? And that is enough, actually. Like that's enough to sort of fill the cup. And so, yeah, I love that. I love that you're moving into that space, mainly because the world has to have it. Like, we, I just don't feel like we're. Sustainable in this like broken ass way that we're trying to go about, like worshiping money and and what we serve and stuff. So, I think that that's great,
0: yeah. And then setting goals looks different too, right? So, the goal no longer is a certain dollar amount, it's like, How do you want to feel every day? Let's go make that life. And so, um, flipping it is it flipping it on its head is the only way I can think to do it because, as you mm. said, it's a system, um, and people can see and feel the difference, and it's wild. So. Guys, if you're somebody who like wants to learn this stuff, come check it out. Um, This month, I'm actually doing like a preview of some of this content on live group calls, and they're free to hop on. So if you want to hop on and learn about heart-centered sales and harnessing creativity, that's what I'm talking about all month. Just come DM me, and I'll give you a month free of calls and whatever. But it's just been so cool to even peel back the veil on how I've built the business I've built. It's like Mm. I'm not overly proud of the numbers on paper. It's not like my accountant's like, what are you doing these days? Right. (laughs) But I am proud of the fact that everything feels so for a lack of a better word, it feels so real. It feels like Mm -hmm. human connection. It feels like I'm helping someone change the way they go about their day-to-day life and the attitudes that they carry and the energy in which they do things with. And I know that's one of the things that you're talking about too, is what energy are you creating from? And then like, what's the end result that you're hoping for? And if the End result is oh I hope to create something that's authentic and real and beautiful. It, it's such a more achievable goal than like I hope to create something that goes viral because yes, it's, it's right. hinged upon others' responses, right?
1: Yes. Um. One thing, real quick, for people that are hearing this on my channel, um, what's your Instagram handle? That they yeah, can it's DM at you?
0: maximum potency.
1: Cool. And I'll link it up in the show notes in yeah. my episode. But yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah so that's so interesting the you're talking about like the place that we create from Mm -hmm. you know if it can be given it can be taken and so if you're so this is what i've noticed right even if you create something for other people like with other people in mind which i do far more than i than i would like to um create some kind of instagram post and it does do well by whatever metrics you think matter like a lot of people like it based on your audience or whatever the hell (laughs) well now like that that validation was given by them and it can be taken and it will be next time right and so then Mm -hmm. you set yourself up on this sort of emotional roller coaster and so yeah taking that back is is really important taking those projections of needing validation from people back to yourself it's actually super important um you know, it's interesting too, to think when you think about where you're creating from, are you familiar with human design at all?
0: A little bit. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I interviewed a, uh, Erin Claire Jones. She's kind of like a human design coach. So I have been, for some reason, wanting to understand it a little bit more because when I hear about my own design, I'm like, feels like it's giving me permission to be who I really am. And And my what's that.
0: And it's insightful. Right.
1: Right. Right. Totally. And, and like, it could not be true, right? It's a cosmic-oriented thing, and people have their own their own thought process about whether they believe in astrology, astronomy, and all these sort of things that come from the stars. But in any case, if it's just a good contemplation, it's useful, in my opinion. Um, and my strategy in, in human design is to respond. And so I'm not good at generating thoughts out of thin air. But what I am really good at is reading a ton of philosophy and watching things and pushing myself into the world and then responding and using my creativity as a way of responding to what I'm seeing. So I think part of it too, is knowing your specific strategy for like, what is it that fills your bucket? What is it that inspires you? Because I can tell you like during the pandemic, when I'm like I was like trying to write this book and I just kept starting and it just kept not feeling right. And it was actually a matter of just realizing like, yeah, cause that's not how you create. You actually have to respond to things in the world. And um, so some simple tweaks like that have been really beneficial too.
0: For sure. Throwing, throwing out the metrics half the time too. It's like, we're human and we're gonna look at the metrics. We're gonna look at how many saves and likes and shares that a post got. And there's nothing really wrong with, going back to that post and saying like, what about this do I feel was strong? And how can I create like a sequel or a follow-up or a level deeper or whatever? But half the time it's like, we almost need to to pretend no one's gonna see it and create from that place. And that blend of like, we'll call it the traditional way and the non-traditional way, I think keeps your page feeling real authentic, intriguing, interesting, not like you're reciting back the rest of the internet to someone which you do super well, And the other thing that I love that you do is you've been like a resource for me to find more resources, right? I'm listening to your podcast and you're like Marcus Aurelius. And I'm like, what? Let me go look that guy up and read some of his stuff. And like you said, I think I only retained like a 10th of it, maybe, but that 10th was really interesting and it got the wheels moving. And when you read something that's completely over your head, like I'm reading David Hawkins, uh, the levels of consciousness, he has like a bunch of books, but that you're supposed to read the green one first. So I'm reading the green one first and I'm retaining a lot of it. And a lot of it makes sense, but not in a way where I could teach it or need to in a way where he wrote that from such a high place of consciousness and such an, uh, you talk about authentic channeling, right. From such a channeled place that even me reading what he wrote while he was in that state or what Marcus Aurelius wrote while he was in that state gives me this supercharged energy of like, They're just higher thoughts. I can't really explain it. You know it when you read it. You know it when you feel it because you can barely keep reading because you've got so many ideas flowing. Does this happen to you too when you read someone's writing who's just like killing it?
1: I think that's that feeling of like what's deep and true in me recognizes something that's deep and true in them. And I also would say that i think you get to a certain point in consciousness where the ability to divide it up into words and neat concepts is actually falls apart right like there's Mm -hmm. a place depending on what your belief is but but there's a place of sort of a transcendent reality where i just can't cut it up anymore it's very interesting like in the hindu world when people get through their caste system and get to the end of their life if they want to like really understand God they actually go out into the forest and they practice not seeing the world in words anymore and that's like their practice for years it's to like reintegrate the wholeness that you were you know when you're born like you're whole you're part of everything it's only until you really learn to divide reality up that you that you start feeling more disintegrated and and you start to cut the whole world apart in concepts and words. And I think that's necessary, obviously, for us to make sense of our reality. But I also think that there's a certain point when you read the mystics, like if I read Meister Eckhart, I'm like, I don't, I haven't merged with God. I don't know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but something in me does. And, and it's important to like lean into that, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I tend to try to read from that place. Like I try to consume content it's like you know i don't think the right way to read poetry is to read poetry i think it's to dissolve into it i think Mm -hmm. it's to let it land in your heart and just see what it moves Um, same thing with like spiritual texts it's you know read it from your heart and see what it triggers you know that'll tell you where you're holding that'll tell you where your sash is right so like allow it to allow it to work on you allow it to read you i think that's a a really good way of of taking in other people's creativity and then also at least for me that's what stimulates like new deeper thought the ability to think in different ways yeah
0: yes 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 to all of that and you know Hawkins talks about he talks about the level of reason which is the level that we are conditioned to stay at basically and the level of reason is the level of logic is the level of like everything in the world needs a word and a label and a pretty box and like a we're just reasoning and making sense of it. And when we can actually disconnect and move beyond that, he talks about being in the state of ecstasy um, and over overwhelming joy. And like that you might cry because you just realize how beautiful everything is and you stop looking at it for what it is, but you're looking at it for what it points to, which is God or the creator or creation. And you're just awestruck, you're living in a state of awe. And he actually says that, you know, it's interesting because like it's childlike in a way, but it's also incredibly mature in another way because it it means that you've moved back past reason. Mm. And so I just thought that was so powerful. I was reading that last night into bed in my truck and I had to just like stop and look around for a minute. It was so powerful. But um the other thing that's coming up is I don't know about you, but really good text actually like makes you cry a little bit. Like you read something and you're like, oh God, I don't know why I'm crying right now, but that was really powerful. Um, and it, it moves the furniture around. So you speak, so to speak in your head. And, you know, I was writing, you said, sometimes you don't know when things are going to come through. It's mm-hmm. like you sit down and you try and let them come through. And then all of a sudden they come through and you, you have no control over when that magic session is going to be, or the book is going to write, or the, the outline is going to come to you or whatever. But when I was planning my retreat earlier this year, I had blocked out 10 hours to plan the thing and ended up planning it in an hour, but the first eight, I was sitting there trying to plan it. Right. And the ninth hour out of 10, I'm crying and listening to Tash Sultana and I'm writing from this deep raw place in myself. And I'm like, if they come to this retreat and something in them doesn't move, like I've done something so wrong. Right. And so I'm like living on a prayer, going to this retreat. Like, I really hope that what came through that night was what was supposed to be taught. And sure enough, it was, it's like, sometimes the ninth hour is when it comes in. And there's a mystery and a magic to that. And that's why I think we should always have like, more than one source of income, um, or a good history, right? Maybe you have a book that's making residual income, or you have a, an investment in a rental property or whatever. But it's, um, it's so interesting, like it takes the pressure off a little bit.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. And, and- bringing
0: things full circle here. But I was just thinking while you were talking about all these things.
1: Right. Yeah, it's great. That unpredictable nature of the creativity. I think it forces a sort of humility out of you, Mm -hmm. um, at least for me, because, you know, one problem, and it's a subtle problem, and you don't necessarily recognize it when it's happening is, let's say you, you do channel something, something good, something great, right? And now, Oftentimes the ego wants to take control of that and be like, I did that. Mm -hmm. And so now you experience this ego inflation. And so like, I went through a period of like seven months where I couldn't write shit to the point where I was like, I quit, I hate this. I don't know what my problem is, right? Like all the things you go through when you can't create. And really, I think what was happening is like, I had put so much of my identity in my ability to create. That I actually needed it taken away from me so that I could realize that this isn't about you, son. Like you get to be part of it. You get to be part of something bigger than yourself. You get to be a channel for wisdom. But this isn't you. And it was really important for me to pull that distinction apart because now when the well feels dry, you know, you can do all of the things, but also there's a there's like a just a knowing that, well, if it comes back, it comes back. And and so. I don't know where that goes, but just realizing that there's a little bit of a humility required so that you can be fit for service continuously, not not once.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are here, but if you're in that humility, congratulations, it's it's a great place to get to, but it's possible that you're being called into something else. And so mm-hmm. like sometimes it's a signal to pivot and continue to have that heart of service, which is like the highest vibration we can really hold is to like serve and love others, but the, that energy will carry you, even if the medium changes. So, hey, I used to write all the time and maybe you're being pulled in a different direction. That's gonna either influence writing down the line or create another creative skill in you and develop that. Like I know uh, I had a friend who wrote a lot, stopped writing, went to Africa, got super into photography, came home and had all this stuff to write about, right? So there was like a, a drought, so to speak, in one area, creativity was channeled into another area and he came home and he's like, just in a bounty, he, more, more photos and captions and he knows what to do with, right? And so like, what a beautiful place. He's like writing a book and he's going to use some of the images he shot. And sometimes what looks like a detour is what I'm saying is, is actually like keeping you right on path. And so have you experienced that at all, Rick?
1: yeah and it's so funny because as we're talking about this i'm realizing it's just such a dance like it really such is a right? dance. It, sometimes Absolutely. you lead sometimes you follow <laughs> like it just is yeah. what it is sometimes um, you
0: Sit down and watch. yeah
1: yeah totally sometimes <laughs> other people are dancing and you just <laughs> sit down and have a drink you know um and i think that yeah I, I have definitely experienced that and it's interesting right because there's a part of me that even as you're saying that i'm like i hate that i just want to know <laughs> i want to wake up every morning i want to write i want to create genius. And I want to like, you know, so then there's a part of me, though, that's like, that really hates it. But if I can let go, if I can hold on more loosely to my creativity, I let my ego sort of move out of the way and realize that this none of this is actually about me, but I do get to be part of it, it, sort of opens you up to the mystery, right? When you don't know where it's coming from, like there's something, there is something mysterious about that. And then when the piece does come through, it feels so fulfilling. And that's like what I experienced where I was writing that blog post, that guest blog post, you know, the amount of times that I was like, I hate this, I quit when I was trying to force it, Mm -hmm. you know, and perhaps that day, like I should have just been out in nature or something, right? Like maybe I should have just been doing something else and taking the hint. But then when it does come through, I'm like, oh, it's worth every second, you know? So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I think if you can open yourself up to that being the rhythm it's actually incredible like you actually like life becomes more um yeah mysterious awe-inspiring you open yourself up to be surprised uh, you know all of the things that come with that like cynicism fades away like it, it's a really cool place to be but it definitely takes i think work
0: yeah and and i think it's like ecclesiastes right like there's a time to reap and a time to sow and this isn't in there i'm interjecting There's a time to create and there's a time to chill like there's a time to just be in in life and in experience and putting yourself in those uninspired states where you can't seem to get the thing to come through putting yourself back in the in the places and spaces that you know to remind you of the fact that you're a vessel i think is like the antidote to that which is what you were just saying but where and this is where travel comes back in for me is I need to go feel small in order to to feel like I have a big idea again and so mm. like where can I go that reminds me of like you're just a human having a human experience and sometimes you get to be a vessel and not have this ego of like I'm an artist and I create stuff and I'm a writer and I'm an influence a person of influence and but like all of these identities that we get caught up in recently my fitness has been uh we'll say we've done a litmus test in my fitness and found that it's, it's not improved. And I was like in this six year streak of like, I'm in the fittest I've ever been. And it was this uphill climb and I've slipped down a few notches on the uh, pegboard, so to speak. And I'm like humbly climbing back up and retracing old steps. Right. And -hmm. it's, it's been a really good reminder of like, sometimes you're up, sometimes you slip back and the character is revealed and like, will you retrace the steps that you've already quote unquote conquered? Like, will you walk down that I'm finding my creativity path again, because you care that much? Or will you say like, that didn't work for me?
1: Yeah. And you know, I don't think that you're being necessarily prideful, but something that came up for me is like in those moments, can you also recognize that maybe slipping backward isn't a negative thing? Like, Maybe it's not bad. Maybe you actually need it. Um,
0: Yes. There's th- that's been a, been a reflection around that for sure. And yeah. it's, been like, it's been this thing of like, okay, well, your energy went somewhere. You didn't stop trying in life. You built, you built a business or you, you decided to travel full-time or you've started a new relationship. And so your energy was going to these other things. If you spread a little bit thinner, so to speak, but um, it's been humbling to look at the ways that life has shifted. And then also my one measuring stick that I use, you know, making sure that's not my measuring stick for my worth. Right. It's like, I don't actually care at the end of the day, what my mile time is. It's, it's humbling to realize it's not as good as it used to be, but it's also not where my worth comes from. And again, that brings me back into like go to the space where you know that you're just a vessel and Mm -hmm. trust that you're fit for the mission that you've been given at all times. Like, I think that sometimes someone might be mad that they're overweight, but they don't know they're going to mentor another overweight person or sometimes someone might be mad that you know, it's like, do I need a seven minute or a six minute mile right now to accomplish what I'm here to accomplish in this moment? No. Cool. I'm still fit for my mission. Great. Do I want to be faster? Yeah. Would it be nice? Would it be fun? Yeah. But, um, at that point I did need, it's like different things serve us at different times. That's all I'm saying. Having the, the trust to know that you have exactly what you need in this moment is so beautiful.
1: Mm. so that's the interesting thing about that myth with the second sister who ties the twist of fate to your destiny right because could it maybe you're a healer it's like could you could you be a healer if you weren't wounded of course you wouldn't have chosen that right. of course it felt like something that was bullshit or shouldn't have happened to you but maybe it's tied to your destiny and i keep finding that that actually is the case right for so mm. many of us the things that we go through that are adverse or that we would categorize as negative are actually really tied to our purpose we just have to like be okay with that you know or accept it in some way
0: a hundred percent just got the chills from head to toe and toe to head again because i just think that that's like if we could all just realize that right (laughs) we could all Mm -hmm. just realize that it's like it's the thing that hurts you is the thing that's gonna allow you to love somebody else later man man oh man so cool well, Rick, I feel like that's a good place to put a bookmark in it. And um, any other closing thoughts you want to tack on here before we hop off?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, one thing I'll say real quick is I found in my life that, you know, I was at a place where if somebody would give me a magic wand and they, I could wave it and I could get whatever I want, that I would make myself miserable with what I waved it at because I didn't right. actually know who I was. I didn't really understand my own genius. Um, And so it sent me on a on a like three, four year mission of coaching and kind of diving into the world to figure out like who I really was. And out of that experience, I created a product called the Clarity Academy, which is like a 12 week course. It starts at the end of August. So if you are listening to this and it sounds like um, you're intrigued by the idea that maybe there is something more to you that you can't necessarily access, but that you have the intuitive sense that like, there is more to life than where you're at and you want to explore that with me. Um, the Clarity Academy would be a really cool place for to do for you to do that. And I have registration open. Um, and again, the course kicks off on August 30th, but you can just go anywhere at rickalexander.com and find that.
0: Love it. Yes. I feel like you and I are both people who are just like super ready to serve. I know I have two one-on-one mentorships open right now for business Um, And then I have the course going off and the free group calls, but basically just so you guys know, if you're listening to Rick's show, what I do is I help heart-centered entrepreneurs run their business, become full-time and able to work from anywhere if that's what they desire. And really, we're just here to rip on life, use our gifts, serve others, and have a good time doing it. So if you're ready to do business that heart-centered way and throw out the traditional way of your girl, we're doing things way differently around here. So, I'm super stoked on it. Rick's program is super super awesome as well, guys, if you're listening to my show. Um, the Clarity Academy is exactly what it sounds like, right? Find find meaning and purpose and direction and clarity in your life and from that place of insight be able to carry on. Am I getting it right, Rick?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, I yeah. want to ask you a f- final question that I like yeah. to ask on my show. Um, and I didn't warn you for this. It might take you a minute to think of an answer, but, uh, if you could have morning coffee with anybody in the world, dead or alive and, uh, yeah, who would it be? And what would you want to talk to them about?
0: Yeah. So uh, originally when you asked me this last time we did an episode, I said my dad and he's still my number one. Um, I really miss him and I would love to know what he would say now, but another one that just came through that I think would be super interesting is the grandparents from the generation so i knew my great-grandmother her parents would be so so cool just to be able to piece together one more layer of the family lineage i always think is so fascinating and i i think it's so cool to see what generational like boundaries and and um, limits were pushing and expanding because i i do think that every generation becomes better and more advanced in some ways and then regresses in other ways. Like we have both insight for those behind us and those ahead of us. And so being able to tap back into that would be so, so cool.
1: Ah, cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the conversation. It was great.
0: Me too, friend guys. Um, I love you and I'll see you next week. And Rick, I don't know what your sign off normally is a song, right?
1: Yeah. I always say, I love you guys. We'll talk later.
0: (laughs) Talk later. Talk soon.